said but now hip-hop doesn't respect you unless you're platinum or dead that's uh rascas i was just listening to that on the way here what's up y'all this is the two max hologram podcast and uh this is episode number three and we'd like to thank you on behalf of uh everybody here at platform uh my name is alex they call me two max we're we're just really this is episode three of my of my um podcast and this is the one actually we're really gonna really just start i'm gonna really start going off like this is it man i'm not i'm not holding anything back we're gonna talk some real hip-hop stories you know we'd like to thank you for for joining us if you were if you're if you listened to the first two episodes they were really i was really geeked out that i had sick jacking from psycho realm and uh we got to open up and really talk about a lot of good stuff and uh this one right here is going to be me. I wanted to start off. I wanted to tell a story. It's like these two intertwining stories and it's about lyricism and, and hip hop and stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the story that leads to the other story. Um, this Friday I was in Modesto, California and, uh, got to play a show with the legendary casual from hieroglyphics. And, uh, man, it was dope. You know what I'm saying? There was some real hip hop fans out there, you know, getting it. I'm, I'm a big fan of casual from Hiro and, you know, he's such a dope MC. If you guys know anything about, uh, you know, real lyricism, like real, he, like the rap god, you know what I'm saying? He, I like, I like that he calls himself casual, the rap god, cause he really is a rap god. He's like, I mean, he really is an incredible MC. I mean, you know, one thing is lyricism. One thing is putting out rap songs and selling them. One thing is being on the radio. One thing is being popular. One thing is being platinum. And another thing is being a rap monster, like really being a hip hop, just some, like a KRS one. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not a lot of KRS ones out there. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and a guy like Casual is a rap god. I mean, he's a monster. If you could listen to his old work, you know what I'm saying? And it was, it was cool for me, man. I'm a fan. You know, I got to geek out and kick it with, with the G and, and see him play. And he did some of my favorite songs, man. He did. I mean, if you've ever heard, that's how it was and that's how it is. I mean, that's just like, you know, I write raps and when niggas bite, I clap. Cause this shit sound better now You done let me down Cause I thought it would be dope But instead, your shit is dead It gets fed to the alligators lurking in the moat Peep what I wrote 
You bit so hard, I thought the shit was a quote. But still I'm acting, you know, man, just kill it, right? Easily. And when you feel the pressure bus, MCs will be tangling each other, trying to wreck shit when I exit. The way I rap shit is not unexpected. I mean, he's just fucking hard. Anyway, he even did a, uh, I didn't mean to. You ever heard that song? I didn't mean to, which is like the classic, I'm a pimp. I didn't mean to. It wasn't my fault that your girl got caught. I mean, that, I mean, that was like, you know what I'm saying? That's some pimp lyrics, like a pimp. You know what I'm saying? Um, how does it go? All right, I might have had a little glare when I stared at your hoe, but I didn't know she was like that. She stared right back, but niggas was warning me that she was coming on to me. I react like a Mac, do I have to just to test her? Cause I'm no jester, I suggest her, and her friends be outie. You know, like a song about that. It's your, it's your lady's fault for him cheating, <laughs> for, for your lady cheating on you. It's kind of dope. But anyway, anyway, casual's awesome. But anyway, I was up there. And, uh, shout out to my homie Cobalt for uh, bringing me out there. And, um, uh, you know, after the show, you know, there's some G's out there. You know, you know, a lot of fans, they don't know what's up. And a lot of kids are on new stuff and, you know, don't, don't really know the history. You, you know, I'm 40 years old now. You can't really expect, you know, someone that's 22, you can't really expect them to know to have listened to De La Soul is dead. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't hold those standards to, you know, we're, we're, to all the people that are really real hip hop soldiers and are you know what's up with Karis One and Eric B. Rock Kim and Slick Rick and the Beastie Boys and El Kuje and all the and all the things from the golden era and before and, and, and after, you know, we can't expect a twenty year old to to you know can't be mad at him because he doesn't know who Raskaz is. You know what I'm saying? Even though Raskaz is one of the G's and you should know, you know what I mean? But uh anyway, long story short Two years ago, I'd, I'd went out to Modesto and played a show with Pigeon John and Sunspot Jones. And this whole story revolves around Raka Ara Science from the Dilated Peoples. Okay. Raka Ara Science from the Dilated Peoples. Besides being my homie, besides being a great MC, I've known him since I was a teenager. Raka always brings me clothes. Like Raka always brings me shoes. You know, Raka be coming to the house. He'll bring me four pairs of shoes. Raka probably gets like 80 pairs of shoes for free a year. But me and him happen to be the same shoe size. So for the last like five or six years, Raka's always bringing me shoes like, hey, you want these shoes? You know, this and that, this and that, this and that. Not that I don't get my own clothes, but you know, I do. But he brings me stuff. Anyway, long story short, like four to five years ago, he brought me this sweater. And I call it the ultimate hip hop sweater. He only gave it to me because he was too big and it didn't fit him. And it, cause it was from Japan. But let me tell you about this sweater. It was a black, black hoodie, right? And it had gold, all gold embossment, right? This sweater right here, look, and I'm, and I'm pointing to my arms and I'm going to point to like my whole body on the chest. Wu Tang Clan logo, Beat Nuts, Mob Deep, Freestyle Fellowship, The Far Side, Def Jam, Wu Tang Clan, Hieroglyphics, you know, every group ever, like Organized Confusion, you know, every record label, Wow Pitch, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, it had Main Source, it had Brand Nubians, X-Clan, Public Enemy, at all, every logo, every De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, you know, Black Sheep, it was all on one sweater, Black Moon, you know what I mean? It was like this incredible sweater, right? He brought it, he brought it to him as a gift and he was like, oh man, you know, I thought you might like this, you know, like it doesn't, you know, it, it already didn't fit him. It didn't fit me. I tried to wear it. It fit me like a wetsuit. Okay. I literally, and I'm, and I'm not joking. I always get clothes and I always get things for free. And, and sometimes, you know, when I get things that don't fit me, I, I pass them on. You know, I used to 
I, I, I used to get sponsored by Puma and I was too, I used to get sponsored by Obey and by Obey clothing. And do you know, I was way too fat. That was like hipster clothes, like a double XL was like small. Anyway, I would give all this stuff away. This one sweater though, it was like the freshest thing I've ever seen in my life in hip hop ever. And I kept it for four to five years. And after losing like a hundred pounds recently in the last couple of years, I could finally fit into it. And it was like my, the most, this thing was the most valuable thing to me. I, in fact, I only wore it once in LA. I opened up for Snoop Dogg and I, I was like, I'm aware. And even Snoop Dogg and his people were like, that shit's tight, you know? Anyway, long story short, I went to Modesto. I took it with me and I left it up there. I left it at the homie's house after a show. I ran up in their studio, did a song and just left it, forgot, left town. I came back and I was like, yo, hey man, you know, as soon as somebody from that click came up to talk to me, I was like, Hey man, what's up with my sweater? And they're like, oh man. They're like, you don't know what happened? I was like, nah. He was like, dude, he said straight up, he said the next day his homie died. Their homie died that was there with us. They're like, the next day my homie died. And they're like, we buried him in that sweater. They're like, we put the sweater in his coffin. Cause he was like a hip hop soldier from, he was like a straight up, like 40 year old hip hop super soldier. You know what I mean? They were like, man. They're like, we're not even going to lie to you, man. We took your sweater and we, like, when we buried him the next week, we put that sweater in the coffin. Cause I was like, that sweater was like the ultimate symbol of hip hop. Now, like I said, Rocker from Dilator had given me that sweater. That sweater ended up in Modesto. The homie passed away, unfortunately. The sweater ended up in his coffin. What that brings me back to is this. A long time ago in the year 2000, DJ Rob One from the from the Shapeshifters and CBS crew, he passed away. He was one of my dearest friends. I, I got a tattoo of him on my arm. He was a DJ for OMD and the Shapeshifters. And um, when Rob passed away at Rob's funeral, which was like an open casket, and it was like the last time you get to see Rob, you know, there was a line. We were in line to 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 pay our respects for one last time to see Rob. You know, very sad occasion, real sad. I mean, everybody in L.A., you know, that the knew him and loved him was there. It was real sad and crazy. And uh basically, right in front, right as I was going, you know, to his casket, people were putting things in his casket. And uh I had a bracelet that said Alejandro on it and that my mom had given me. And I, I used to get, I used to get, I used to rock these bracelets my mom would give me from Mexico. And like, I wouldn't, I'd shower with them. I'd never take them off. I had this one bracelet for seven years. It never, never, like, it was like disintegrating, but it never like fell off me. I, you know, I ripped it off and I threw it in Rob's casket. And, uh, right, right in front of me, there was Rocco from Dilated. And at the time, they were signed to Capitol Records or I think, or they're, yeah. And they were putting out their first album, The Platform. And it hadn't even been out yet. You know what I mean? This was the advanced cassette. This is cassette times. And he he put a copy of the platform on cassette before it came out. He put it in Rob's coffin. And, and and you know, which was a special thing. But the crazy thing is a couple years later, I listened to a Dilated People song. And in the song, Rocka says, I buried Rob one with a copy of platform. So when you go to heaven, your homie play that for him. And I, and I saw him put the cassette in the coffin and then I hear the lyrics two days later, you know, two years, three years, how many years later, you know, and I was like, I buried Rob one with a copy of platform. So when you go to heaven, your homie play that for him. And, and, and that to me, you know, it's like, not only is that, you know, this is a personal story, but not only is that just fucking amazing lyricism, 
But that's what, that's the power of lyrics. You know what I mean? Like he, and this was a music video, like, you know, all on Capitol Records. Like, and, and, and my point, I guess, in being is that, you know, an MC like Raka is dropping a personal message, you know, something that n nobody would even get, you know what I mean? Because, but it's just like so dope and that, that's strong, you know, that, that to me is, is, the power of all music. It doesn't even have to be hip hop, but you know, that's just a story I'm telling you that I saw that just honestly, like, you know, when I think of lyricism, that's lyricism to me, you know, that, that's, that's like the dopest shit I've ever fucking heard. So when I hear, you know, when I, when a lot of the stuff that's out right now, or, you know, people play me stuff or they're like, oh, you're hating on this and that and that. It's not even that I'm hating. Cause I, I'm never hating on anybody getting a check. I'm never hating on anybody making money. I wish all people that do music get paid. And, but it's just like, I'm just kind of like, man, tell me something deep, like, like blow, you know what I'm saying? And, and for me, just, this is just me. That's what I'm about. So a lot of times other shit like that just bores the shit out of me because shit doesn't, you know what I mean? Like I want shit to like, I want to hear a song. I was just listening to Elvis Costello on the way over here and some other music and I just like I want people to blow me away with with their lyrics you know I'm gonna take a hit of this hold on a second we'll continue this ah yeah there you go there you go I just want to pass it I want to hold it but um anyway that story you know to me and then even even like I said on the way home and on the way here to do this podcast I was listening to some rascals and he said you know Hip-hop used to be about what an MC said. Now, you ain't respected unless you're platinum or dead. And, um, you know, I feel that's true. You know what I mean? I feel like they really, when I listen to music now, you know, I understand about being hot. I understand about artists that have momentum and you be like, it's their year. You know, people, people are always in my ear like, oh, it's schoolboy Q right now. He's the man or, you know, something's the man or action Bronson or something's the man. And I'm like, Macklemore, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And I understand, you know, like, and, and I'm not hating on cats, you know what I mean? But it's just like, for me, I'm into that kind of hip hop. I'm just into that hip hop where people, every opportunity that they get to be in front of a camera, in front of an audience, they're spitting for dear life. You know what I mean? And, and I just come from a time where that's that's what I'm about. And, and that's what I'm about. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm i going to die broke, man. I'm not I'm not I have no concept. There's, I have no desire for money. I have no desire to have anything, man. That's why I don't have anything, because I don't even have a desire to have anything, man. But so for me, I already know the way I am. But and I understand about making money and paying bills and all that shit. But dude, to me, I'm just one of the people that. I mean, I'd rather just die broke, fresh to death. You know what I mean? And that, and that's the way I approach the music that I listen to. And, and, you know, on this show, uh, I want to celebrate, you know, groups and artists that, that make the kind of music that I like. You know, I want to talk about real rap, you know, Karis one, man, for every, you know, for everything that people want to say about him, Karis want to serve the shit out of you at the drop of a hat. You're fucking, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, lyricists out there that, that are just amazing. And I don't, I don't think that the financial status, I don't think people thinking you're hot and all that kind of shit like that. I don't think that really ever equals being dope. You know, being dope and being rich don't, don't equate and they never have, you know, the m making art and, and selling the selling of music and the creation of art, they just, they don't really, they never really went hand in hand. 
You know what I mean? It, at, sometimes it works and they both kind of, they both pimp each other out at times. Being dope, you can pimp out making money off being dope. And, and if you're, and if you're something that's about making money, you can sometimes, you know, pimp out being dope. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can, you know what I mean? There's, I'm happy when I watch, you know, I was watching the Grammys and, you know, when you see Stevie Wonder in Chicago and all these incredible artists, like when you see Chicago and they have to come out with Robin Thicke, it's like, man, that's fucking Chicago, homie. Like Chicago doesn't need Robin Thicke to crutch him up or like to fucking click up with them to, for a younger audience. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you're 20 and you don't know who Chicago is or you hear that and it's outdated, then fuck it. That's just you. You don't have to like, Chicago doesn't have to click up with Robin Thicke, you know? One, one, of, one of the ones that I thought was real interesting, cause, I, cause I, I think they're both dope, obviously, was Paul McCartney and the Foo Fighters won an award for some song they did together. And I was like, man, that's, that's, that's cool. But it's like, it was like Paul McCartney had to be, you know, it's like, we're going to click you with the Foo Fighters and that's going to bring, you know, keep you, you know, relevant, you know, like Stevie Wonder having to kick it with da- Daft Punk and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's like Stevie Wonder's doper than Daft Punk. So it's like, well, you know what I mean? It's like, but you know, you gotta like click Stevie Wonder up with Daft Punk because it'll be like, that's the, is that the only way, you know, just because Stevie Wonder's a little long in the tooth, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love the way society, once you become like 30 years old, society deems you not relevant artistically. And, and, you know, Remember how we're, I think the last episode we we're talking about how women actresses were always like, once they got to be like 30, 35, they felt like the career was over because once they started looking old, they couldn't play like dope roles and shit like that. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I just want to, that, that story I really wanted to tell cause, cause I, I've been thinking about it all weekend and I thought it was a dope, um, hip hop story and I thought it was kind of relevant to, to the stuff we we're doing. Um, Anyway, we can go back to the Grammys for a minute. I was watching the Grammys and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like, you know, I don't know, man. It's like new music and, and, and I don't know, man. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's not, it's nothing to be mad at. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not going to get mad. I mean, I think from a hip hop standpoint, I don't know. I think I, when I was watching like, who won the award? Macklemore won best new artist or best rapper. I was just like, and I'm not dissing the homie because the homie has actually been here in this house with, with the homies, Grace Skull. So it's like, and I've seen the dude for years. I've played with him and all the stuff like that. I'm not dissing him. I'm not really like knowing what's up with the new record or not, but I don't know, man. I just, I don't know, man. Like hip hop artist of the year, uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm, as I get older, I'm just kind of like fading off of that, man. I, I understand what it feels like to be an old person shaking your finger like, oh, back in my day. You know, I'll give you another example. Um, De La Soul, because we're talking about things that are dope. De La Soul has a song called uh, Millie Pulled the Pistol on Santa Claus. You ever heard that song? And um, that's a song about about them having a little homegirl named Millie who's, who's her, her stepdad is uh, the Santa Claus at Macy's. And he's also molesting her. And it's like, and it's like, and, and the songs, you know, like about them talking about, yeah, you, you know, your dad's super cool. And then her trying to get a gun. She, you know, there's a point in the song where she calls, calls him and says, you know, can you get a gun? And, and he's like, what do you need one for? And, and she's like, I want my dad to, to catch one. And, you know, 
and then you know this and that, this and that, and uh, and they they don't believe her. They're like, look, man, you're you're tripping, and your dad didn't touch you. And basically, at the end of the song, she gets a gun and she goes to Macy's, and he's dressed as the Santa Claus there, and she like pulls a gun on him and kills him. And uh sounds like a deep song, sounds kind of dark and depressing, but man, in a four-minute song, De La Soul, who who can easily make a song like, you know, any little jibber-jabber, shake your fucking, shake, put your hands in the air and shake it and all that shit, like, whatever. You know, those are the, that's the kind of music I like. You know, and if you're going to be someone that's going to follow this 2Mex hologram podcast and listen to the, the the few songs that we play every podcast and listen to where I'm coming from, I just want to establish to you where the where the fuck I'm coming from. I'm 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 about really really dope dope lyrics, man. I, I celebrate the real East Coast hip hop that that came out. You know, the I mean, Slick Rick, the storytelling abilities that that a Slick Rick used to convey, man, like, I don't know, man, it, Public Enemy and their politicalness, you know, X-Clan and their politicalness, De La Soul and they're just psychedelic, you know, I don't know if you know too much about De La, but De La used to actually speak their own language, you know, you know, you know that, right? De La was like, uh, De La was just talking their own, the Daisy Age, and you know who does that a lot too is Camp Low, I don't know if you ever heard Camp Low, but Camp Low is like, I got, I, I was lucky enough to spend a day with Campolo one time and even amongst themselves, they just talk in code. Like, in a, they're just talking like some kind of weird code. <laughs> I thought that shit was dope, you know. You know, it just says weird. I mean, listen to a Campolo record, you know, spreading Mazzola between the thighs of my Villanova. Like, they just, they just say the, they just, like, they're talking, but it's like almost like they're talking to themselves. And then you have to figure it out. De La Soul, you know, the Daisy Age, you know, come on, let's baseball. You know, they have this one song where they're like, come on, everybody do the baseball, the swing and locate. And like, it took me a, a couple of years to realize that they're talking about fucking, you know, the swing and locate, swing your dick and locate, you know, the baseball, the bat, you know, bat and, the, you know, all this kind of shit. And it was just like, you know, buddy, you know, my buddy, buddy's body. You know, all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, it was really dope, you know, when you, when you hear something and it kind of like just pushes your mind a little bit, a little bit deeper. But with all that being said, man, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that rides the bus and I'm somebody that walks in the streets of LA still to this day. And, and I, I'll be at the bus stop, man. And like, you know, some little eight year old girls bumping the new Drake or whatever. And dude, she's singing that with all her heart and she's loving it. And it's like, if that's what that does, you know, I've been at clubs in Miami on a Friday night drunk and that puffy song drops and I'd be like, Oh, this is what this is for. You know what I mean? Like I've been like, Oh, okay. I understand. You know, everything has its purpose. And, and, and I've been in those situations where I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I, I could, you know, I could, I could slip into this world for, for like a minute, you know, but, I understand where that comes from, but anyway, that's what I want to talk about. But um, I got some people on on Instagram that I was t- telling them that I was gonna do a show about lyricism, and let me let me uh, punch up what they uh, let me see, let me see some stuff I got. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, Razkaz, Nature of the Threat. W- once again, going back to Razkaz, I think I'm gonna get. I think I'm gonna do like a list of my top. 10 MCs and then try to explain why I think they're my top favorite MCs. And this is only my list, but, uh, Rascal's definitely up there. Rascal's nature of the threat, man, that song, which came out, um, I don't know when it came out. Let's see, 2000, did that even come out in the nineties? That might have came out in the nineties or in the early two thousands, but off for Rascal's first album, Soul on Ice, 
he had this eight minute song. It was one verse, eight minutes, and it was called The Nature of the Threat. And it was basically the history of religion. And it was just like, you know, to think that a song, you know, once again, you know, you're listening to hip hop. Ha ha, I'm fresh. Ha, my dick's big. Ha ha, we're paid. Ha ha, we got up nice cars. We got shit you don't got. Ha ha ha, bitches love me. Yo, my crew's the tightest. Ha ha ha, fuck you. You know, yada yada, you know, whatever. My city is this and all that shit. You know, all this bullshit. And it's like, and, uh, you know, then you hear nature of the threat. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it was like going to college. You know, it's like a song that like, it's almost like a semester of college in, put in a song. And, you know, that's, that to me, that's, that's what gets me excited. You know, that's the stuff that I, that I like, you know, M- music like that, that like, you know, there was this group called Downtown Science. They came out in uh, 1990 on Def Jam Records. It was a uh, Bosco Money and Sam Sever. Sam Sever is this white producer that used to produce for third bass and he used to produce for a lot of other acts. And uh, Bosco Money was just like, um, collegiate MC and stuff. And they had this group called Downtown Science. They put out one album and it, it didn't blow up, but they had a song called Radioactive. The whole song was about radio waves. And it was like, you know, sunlight, you know, darken the space of light, illuminating skies, as well as the inside to see a new beginning and resurrect, reminiscent of the phoenix and recollect thoughts from the universe or ideas, something, you know, whatever, right? And it'd be like 88 to 108 megahertz, push the size state, you know, state of the art, you know, it'd be like knowledge is primary, communication is digital, language is binary, from the math to the megabar, math is the mode to educate the neophyte, science is the role. And it was like, I was like a kid, you know, like 17 years old, and I was like, what? You know, what is, what? You know, like, and then after, like, you hear it, like, a hundred times, you're like, wait, he's talking about 88 to 108, like, the radio, you know what I mean? Like, and he's talking about the, you know, the, 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 you know, the power of the energy that it takes to go to the tower and, you know, all that. And it was just like, you know, that to me, like, science, you know, science on, on a song. It's like, you've seen, like, those corny, especially in hip hop, because hip hop's so commercialized. You've seen when people try to make a corny ass song about, with hip, using hip hop to do a science song. You know, like some Bill Nye the Science Guy shit. This is this is fool really doing it. You know, Pharaoh Munch from Organized Confusion. I was just thinking about this too the other day. It was 1991, and he was only I think he was like 18 years old, and and in 1991, and he was only 18 at the time. You know, he's like. You know, in 2010, every man will be subject to global warming. Something, something, millions of locusts swarming. Seeking you shall find the deliverer. You know, all this kind of stuff. And he was like, he's, in 1991, this 18-year-old is talking about, in 2010, he'll be subject to global warming. Like, how the fuck did he know that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how the, how, how do you, how do you like, where, you know, even going back to myself as, as an MC, you know, I, I started when I got out of high school and I started getting into, uh, you know, Behold the Pale Horse and, you know, William Cooper and the Illuminati and Mason, the Masons and the Secret Agenda and, you know, all the operate, you know, all the illegal stuff the government's doing and all this Illuminatiism and all this shit. And I would get into that. And that led me to books and, and stuff. And dude, in 1996, without even really full knowledge, I was making songs like that that was talking about the double square of Freemasonry and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, and it was like, it was just, it's just crazy that, that you can channel that, that you can channel that, you know, like, kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm really into that, that kind of stuff. So, you know, for me, 
even Cool Keith, you know, like, I don't know if you're a Cool Keith fan, but Cool Keith is just like, he's, you know, he drops like irrelevant science and all that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of stuff I like. Uh, I'm really into good lyrics. Obviously, Karis One. I guess we'll do my top 10 MCs of all time. I don't even have a list, so I'm just going to, they're, they're not necessarily all in order, but I guess we'll start with Raz because we were talking about Raz. Raz Kaz, if you guys don't know about him, you guys should, you know, go online, find his old records, Soul on Ice, Assassination. Dude, even his mixtapes, I mean, his mixtapes are ridiculous. Raz is this kind of MC that's kind of like, he's dropping, he's almost too smart for the crowd. He's too smart for the crowd that he's adhering to, you know, because he actually was getting looked, he got looked at by Dr. Dre and Dr. Dre produced some of his stuff. And, you know, he was, he's such a dope lyricist that he really was like, I'm trying to be Pac, you know, I'm trying to be Tupac, I'm trying to be Biggie. And um, commercially, he didn't get accepted like that. He, he never really had one commercial hit like that to this day even. But he's still known in the East and the West as like probably one of the top 10 rappers ever and and uh it's because he just drops hardcore science he tries to mix it with ghetto ghetto stuff and humor but uh man you know i recommend i recommend nature of the threat may you know what we get to play some songs on the show right we're gonna plug in nature of the threat at some point in the show and uh you guys need to check that out you know what i'm saying in fact you got i think we'll use that as a break right now to, to put that on so boom rascal's nature of the threat you can thank me after you hear the song let freedom ring with a buckshot, but not just yet. First, we need to truly understand the nature of the threat. And a pale man walks in the threshold of darkness. Roughly 20,000 years ago, the first humans evolved with the phenotypical trait. Genetic recessive, blue eyes, blonde hair, and white skin. Albinism apparently was a sin to the original man, African. So the mutants traveled north of the equator. Go Europeans later, the first race haters. Who is the devil's alpha to the beta? Consistory's best qualified to teach one. Quoting German philosopher Chopin, now every white man is a faded or a bleached one. Migration created further mutation. Genetic drifts, evolution through recombination. Adaption to the climate. As the Caucasus mountain man reverted to that of a primate. Savage Neanderthals until the late Paleolithic age. As when the black Grimaldi man came. With the symbol of the dragon, fire and art. J.K. paintings of France and Spain to the Venus of Willendorf. Around 2000 BC, southern Russians migrate in small units. Those who travel west populated Europe. Those who went east settled in Iran, known as Aryans. 1500 BC, to cross the Khyber Pass into India and created Hinduism. The first caste system, the origins of racism. A white dot on the forehead meant to leap. The black dot defeat, untrustable, untouchables. They wrote the Holy Vedas in Sanskrit. That's the language that created Greek, German, Latin, and English. Now the Manuans around 2000 BC starts on the island of Crete in the Aegean Sea. The Greek culture begins Western civilization, but Western civilization means white domination. Mycenaeans learned from command called Egypt and Greek. It existed since at least 3000 BC, creating geometry and astronomy. This knowledge influenced Plato, Socrates, and Hippocrates. Because Imhotep, the real father of medicine, was worshipping Greece and Rome in the form of a black African. The word Africa comes from the Greek Afrique, meaning without code. The word philosophy means love of knowledge, stole from the first man. Greek power expands. The first Greek fraternity span. The word gymnasium is Greek for... All right, y'all. Well, thanks for coming back. I hope you enjoyed that. That was Raz Cast Nature of the Thread. One of the dopest songs. Um, I guess I'm impromptly going through some top 10 MCs. Um, I guess at 10 I had Raz Cast, even though he's probably higher. But before that, um, another dude I was talking about was Pharaoh Munch. I don't know if you like Pharaoh Munch. You know, he's most famous for uh, his uh, dun 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 dun. 
Get the fuck up. Dun, 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 dun. Get the fuck up, dude. There's so much more to him than that. You know what I'm saying? He that's a dope song though too. Sampling the Godzilla. That shit is dope. But uh he him and this other dude named Prince Poe were part of a group called Organized Confusion. And in uh nineteen ninety one, I believe, on Hollywood Basic, which which is actually a label funded by Disney. So it's pretty funny that that uh Disney Disney actually funded one of one of the most prolific you know, all this, if you're, if you're a Disney basher and you're like, fuck Disney, fuck Mickey Mouse, food Disney put Feral Monch out, you know what I'm saying? So Mickey Mouse had something to do with raps, you know, like, wake up to the mathematics of an erratic rap, rejuvenated around the soda, automatic, poetical, medical medicine, you know, I could do Feral, I could do that organized confusion album in my sleep, man. They, their stuff was super deep. Let me see. They used to be like, you know, what they used to be like. I am one who is one with all things, thus the adorthodox I am, the paradox I am, the equinox extending my hand to the measure of the followers of the ways, something, something. And there must be more ways, and so I play with rhythms. Yeah, I don't know. It's so dope, dude. So so dope. This shit is over. But anyway, their their debut album, which is called Organized Confusion, um, you should definitely check that out. It's a it's a fucking classic. They have they have a song called Releasing Hypnotical Gases, which is Considered one of the top ten most difficult rap pieces ever, right up there with Freestyle Fellowship and things like that. And um, that album for me changed my life. I remember, I remember reading the source, and the source just saying, "Oh, buy this album. Organized Confusion is dope." And I just went straight to the record store and bought the cassette, if if not stole it. And then uh, listened to it and it changed my life, man. That that album was really dope. To me, Organized Confusion is kind of a prelude to Outkast. It, it, it kind of has this outcast vibe, not not as southern, obviously. Outcast got that southern swag, but um, organizers from New York. But to me, it just as far as like lyrical advancement, you you could kind of say that that um, Feral Munch, that you could say that Andre 3000 is kind of like a Feral Munch, and and Prince Paul was like big boy. You know what I mean? Like they have they worked that dynamic really really good. They were really into styles, which is which is one of the reasons I was really into them. On their second album, this is actually the 20 year anniversary of Stress the Extinction Agenda, which is their, they, that was their only kind of like hit. I guess they had a song called Stress. Crush, kill, destroy, stress, crush, kill, destroy, stress. That, dude, that song, you know, that was, that was dope. And that, that album has great songs on it. And, uh, so, you know, subsequently, Organized Confusion is one of the groups that influenced me, along with Freestyle Fellowship and all that. And uh, I guess we'll go from Feral Munch to, I mean, Freestyle Fellowship. I, I guess I'm going to have to put them as a whole, as a whole, you know, just to like, you know, it's easy to be like Micah 9, you know, whatever. But I'll, I'll just, uh, number eight, let's just say Freestyle Fellowship as a whole. Micah 9, just an incredible jazz rapper. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just like this, just like super deep thinking free-flowing, kind of like a Jimi Hendrix with his mouth kind of dude. AC Alone, you know, AC Alone is probably like, there's a, there's a huge AC Alone poster in my in my, in my room right now. So AC Alone is actually my favorite. And uh, his writing is really, really dope. I, I suggest people, if they've ever listened to All Balls Don't Bounce, pick up the All Balls Don't Bounce album or, you know what I'm saying? He, I mean, even when he was like 16, 17, he just had rhymes that were just like out of control. I mean, you know, I'm so dope that uh, Francis Ford Coppola wanted to make a movie about my style. I mean, he just, you know, he his his stuff was really, really like AC. 
the guidelines. There's a song called Guidelines. It's probably like probably top ten, one of my top ten favorite rap songs of all time. AC Alone's The Guidelines, but Freestyle Fellowship and the, their first album, To Whom It May Concern, was a groundbreaking kind of jazz progressive hip hop record that uh that, that kind of like opened doors for them for them that led them to be signed to Island Records and put out their major album debut, which is called Inner City Grills, which once again was kind of like a groundbreaking record. It didn't really sell, and I guess that's that's the whole topic that we're, that we're talking about is art being fresh and art selling. You know, is is one more important than the other? It's like. You know, is making. I know people like my father who think being platinum and being rich is that's that's really the only sign of success. You know, like, you know what I mean. I remember my dad always playing. You know, my dad playing me Jay Z. You know, big pimping and being like, "Well, this is what you're doing, right? You're doing rap music. You should be doing this." And I, and then I would I would break out the laptop and I would show him the stakes is high and be like, "No, dad, I'm doing this." You know, and he was just like, "Yeah, I like this better." You know, with the bitches and the money, and you got you know. So I was like, and I was like, yeah, I like the bitches and the money too, but you know. But um, anyway, so it's like you know, as as I was watching the Grammys yesterday and seeing you know people, you know, I was watching the Kendrick Lamar playing with like some alternative band that was kind of cool it, it was pretty funny it reached it reached like a crescendo i don't know it seemed all contrived and shit but it just like reaches this crescendo and it's just it's just weird how how like in, nowadays in the big mainstream thing it's like you gotta be you gotta piggyback yourself with some new artist or piggyback yourself with some white person to to like make your shit crack <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's like oh we're gonna we're gonna do this oh, oh but you know if you click up with this dude you know, society will like pick you up or whatever, but I don't know what that, all that stuff is. We'll, we'll have another show entitled Mediocre White Rappers and Why America Loves Them. That'll be a future podcast. You guys hold on to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get deep into that one pretty, pretty, uh, um, pretty, uh, soon. But anyway, going back to my top 10, Freestyle Fellowship, like I said, if you ever get a chance, I know we live in a world where there's no fucking record stores anywhere. And the whole, you know, nobody buys anything. So you pretty much either have to find that rare record store that still carries shit and still cares about things. Or, you know, you go online, I guess. And even though a lot of old things aren't up online, but I'm sure you can steal them and find them. Somebody, there's always a purist out there that, that does you the favor of putting your, you know, as much as I love my fans, that, and I got to respect them, you know, that there's always a fan out there that, like, puts everything you've ever made up on the Internet for free. You know what I'm saying? I've had people come up to me with their phones and they'll like show me their, their kind of like their iTunes on their phone and they'll be like, dude, I got like 600 songs from you, man. And they're like, and I'm like tight. And they'll be like, yeah, this one dude has like a torrent and I could just like everything you've ever made. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you're like, you can't be mad because as long as they have it and they're enjoying it, you, you can only be happy about it. But anyway, going back to Freestyle Fellowship, Inner City Grills was their first major, major album, Bullies on the Block. Inner, I mean, they just have that, that, those records are just classic. And then they kind of broke up for a while. They, they actually had a Shaka Doom, they had a record called Shaka Doom, which was really dope too, produced by OD and DJ Nobody. And then that Temptations, which is more, more kind of a West Coast sounding album produced by Joe Limbeck. And then, um, they had their last record that they just put out a couple years ago, which was really dope too. But subsequently, Micah Nine has put out a lot of records on his own. AC Loans, I mean, he's put out about seven to nine records on his own. Self Jupiter, he's in a group called The Cleaners. Self Jupiter and, uh, Self Jupiter and the other homie, 
Kenny Siegel. They're called the Cleaners. They have a, they have a record on Project Blow Records. You might want to check that out. He's, he's dope as fuck. I mean, South Jupiter's like really dope. And then Peace, P-E-A-C-E, who's put out a couple records. He's, he's the one member that, I mean, he's a brilliant freestyler. He's someone that has also been in this house and, uh, man, he, he's played me. Just, just him being at the house. He played me this one song called In and Out and he performed it for me. He actually put the music on and sat here and I sat here on this couch like, like I am now and he performed it for me and it was called In and Out. And he was taught, and it was, it was a song about him not only being at In and Out Burgers and buying food for his kids, but it was also about him selling drugs in the bathroom of In and Out. And it was like the metaphor. It was like the metaphor. And he was like, lettuce, pickles, fries, something, something. And he was like, in and out the game, in and and he And then the rhyme, he's like talking about how his family's sitting outside. And he's like at in and out. And like, you know, he's getting them food and having a, having a good time. Then he has to go in the bathroom and sell dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and it's like in and out. I'm in and out the game. In and, out. and it's like, you know what I mean? These are, and these, and these are songs, you know, that I've heard that I don't think, I don't even know if anybody has them or heard them. You know, you know, it's like, that's the kind, that to me, you know, once again, going back to lyricism, this is like, and these are my personal experiences. You know, everybody's got their favorites, everybody in different cities all over the world. You know, you, you're going to be like, that's the beauty of hip hop. You know, people are going to be like, man, in my city, this one dude, he never really made it, but he's amazing. That's exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. That's the kind of shit I celebrate and, 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 and love. But anyway, peace. Uh, that was him. He, he's got a lot of great songs. So freestyle fellowship. Um, let's say number seven would be positive news. Going back to De La Soul, I just, I'm, keep, I'm keeping everything tied into what we've been talking about. De La Soul, man, De La Soul, man, three feet high and rising. I mean, Prince Paul and, and De La Soul, they're just, I mean, that record was probably the most sampled. You can't even make records like that anymore because, because you can't sample 250 songs, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like we don't live in a world where you can just sample things like that, but that album was amazing. It was, it was a breakthrough and kind of like psychedelic funk, you know, just soul. I mean, you know, Prince Paul, his, his ear for, for soul samples and, and, you know, sampling the turtles and all this kind of stuff, De La Soul's and then the, the way that they would rhyme, man, they, they were just so different. They, like I said, they spoke in a code. And, and their music was about, you know, their music was just, it just came at you right off the top from an intelligent base. You know, right out the platform, you know, the, this website, you know, it's called Platform Collection. And it's like the platform that they even brought brought this at you with, like, just, you know, right off the top, they're telling you right off the first song on the first album, they're letting you know that they're fucking smarter than you or or that if you got to get your mental game up to to fuck with them you know and and uh so to me um de la soul is dead which is her second album to me it was a masterpiece top three records in life you know people are always asking me what do you listen to to max de la soul is dead is what i listened to that album was amazing after their first album Tommy Boy Records, you know, they had one hit single called Say No Go where they sampled Hall of Notes, you know. You got my body, now you want my soul. Can I tell them what to say, Mace? Say no go, right? It was like this, their own, they're like little hit, me, myself, and I was a hit too. But um, Tommy Boy wanted them to do 
another like they wanted that catchy shit you know they were like we need another fast little catchy song and de la soul was like no and tommy boy was like yeah man we need that little you know kind of on some dave Chappelle shit like where dave Chappelle, you know moved out you know how the whole story about dave Chappelle, where he he, he uh canceled the show because he didn't like the way the network was pushing him it was kind of like that with de la soul where 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 they were like Fuck Tommy Boy and our record people. They they want this commercial bullshit. So what did they do? At the height of their fame, they fucking killed their whole vibe. They killed the Daisy Age. The, the cover of their album, the shit was called De La Soul Is Dead. All of a sudden, everything went from being yellow and all colorful and flowery to black and white. And the cover of the album was a dead flower pot. Like, like fuck you to the record label. You know what I mean? Like, De La Soul Is Dead, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, that was just, to me, I was like, even at 17, 18 years old, I was like, I was like, wow, okay, I was dope, you know, like, and it was just, it was dope, dude. The first song on the album, Oodles of O's, it's like four minutes of everything they rapped was O, you know, Ho, you know, then I went to hoes and I went to do. I mean, it was like four minutes of like, kids try to play my cho, you know, Keep them hit the flow, and I went the dough. Can I done the tunnel afro? Tunnel in the dawn with a man commando. Charging up the tunnel like a Reggie Rhino. Yeah, I mean, it was like four minutes of, I was just, I mean, they were just, they're like painters, you know, they're modern day like Van Gogh, you know, I mean, the people are just, they're painting, they're like Picassos, you know what I'm saying? The records were dope, you know, that album, once again, with the Millie pulled the pistol on Santa Claus, um, they have another song too. Their their hit single or their first single on that album was called Ring Ring Ring, and it was about and it was an answering machine. You know that right? You know that one right? Hey, how you doing? Sorry you can't get through, dude. It was about them. That song was about them being like, hey, we're now that we're famous, everybody's giving us their demo, and everybody thinks that we can put them on a record label. And, and the whole song is about dissing, you know, all these weird people coming up to him like, Hey man, can you play my demo? It was so dope, dude. So dope. And in fact, um, this was kind of brilliant from them, from Tommy Boy. Actually, when that album came out, they, they, De La Soul made special, uh, answering machine messages for certain people in the industry, for like the radio people and fame, people that were really artsy or like people that were like the head of radio stations and all this stuff. If you were like, let's say you were the Baker Boys at Power 106, De La Soul would be like, hey, how you doing? You know, Nick V is not, like they would customize answering machine messages. Because my homie B, B Plus, famous hip hop photographer and, and writer, um, he had one. And he was like, yeah, dude, if you, you know, certain people are getting one. And it was so hard. Imagine you had like a De La Soul. You know, it kind of takes me back to my custom songs, to the things that I do right now where I make custom songs. I'll, after we get, after we finish the top 10, uh, I'm going to tell you why I do the custom songs and the whole story behind that. Because I'll tell you how that started. That started at a car show. I'm going to tell you how brilliant, how, how I stole that idea. But anyway, De La Soul, De La Soul. All De La Soul albums are fucking dope. Honestly, after, um, not even Balloon Mind State, after The Stakes is High, for some reason, I kind of like, kind of lost interest in them for a second. But even all the records after The Grind Date, all their stuff like that is amazing, man. Their stuff is I mean, De La Soul is like amazing, dude. I mean, you can talk about a Tribe Called Quest. I mean, a Tribe Called Quest is equally as amazing, and they've got an incredible feel, and they're big. De La Soul was was like just even 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 with the Tribe Called Quest, a Tribe Called Quest is probably a little more commercial vi commercially viable, you know, and it had some soul. 
Taylor Soul was like the nerdy black kid in the back of the room, you know? You know what I mean? De La Soul was like the nerdy kid in the back of the room who, even though he was only 12, he's already spent like three summers in Paris. And like now he's sitting in Long Beach, California, sitting there. But like you don't know that his parents were like, you know, that he's already been to like Turkey and he's seen the Taj Mahal and shit. It's like very, very uh, just hitting you with some fucking worldly shit. Anyway, and and even connecting to, to De La Soul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say at number six was Drez from Black Sheep. One of my favorite, man, even though they only really made two albums as Black Sheep and their second album was really panned commercially, I'm not going to lie, I even kind of didn't, I don't know why I didn't get into it because their first album, Wolf and Sheep's Clothing, was, again, top 10 album in my book, incredibly produced album, Mr. Long. I mean, he was sampling like, he was sampling psychedelic rock like Rare Earth and all this kind of, I mean, Drez, Drez, Drez is really dope. Drez is like, um, Drez, Drez, Drez reminds me of one of the, another top 10 MC, Grand Poole, which I'm going to name in a minute, but talk about in a minute. But, uh, Drez is dope, man, because his music was like, he was such a hard ass MC and he could, he could give you like a ghetto story, but dude, he had this level of comedy. Not only did he have a level of comedy, you better pass those make nuts on me. He had a level of comedy and he had a level of, of, Talking about women, I'm about, I'm about to eat these walnuts. I don't know how long. I can't pass a tin of cashews in front of me without. That's a blast for me, fool. Anyway, I buy those all the time. Those are the cheap ones that are three forty nine, huh? I buy those all the time, man. When you buy mixed nuts, man, don't, don't spend seven bucks. You can get the same shit. Anyway, but, um, Shout out to Kroger for their cheap, their cheap peanut in fucking harvest. But, um, anyway, dress from Black Sheep, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. I mean, besides, you know, you can get with this, you can get with that. That shit was cool, but nah, man. He had some fucking songs, dude. Holes We Know. If you know that song, Holes We Know, where he's talking about how he just picked up a girl and he had sex with her and then he, he bought her a hot dog and then that's all he'll buy her. And then, and after he buys it, he basically picks up on a girl, bones her. Then after he bones her, he buys her a hot dog. And then he, and then as he's, as they're eating the hot dog, he's like, I gotta go. I ain't got no time for you. And he leaves her. And then he clicks up with his homie and they talk about the different holes. And like they, and they talk about the different holes they know. Like they're like, they talk about different races. So they'll be like, what kind of holes you, what kind of holes you know? He's like, red, red dot special holes. That's an Indian girl. Like pork fried rice holes. I was like Asian girl, you know, like, I like them Goya holes, you know, <laughs> and then would be like, uh, milky holes. He's like, I like the milky holes. And then they'd be like, you know, which holes I like the best? Them half and half holes. And like, which were girls that were half black, half white. So, you know, I, I think that, I thought that was hilarious, but, but that album, but he's just a really dope lyricist. He had a, he had a really dope comedic vibe, but yet he was really intelligent. And he really knew how to rap about women, which is something that's always dope in my book. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Drez I'm gonna give Drez number six. You guys can write me after you hear this and, and just tell me how I'm all wrong and everything. I'm, my top ten is horrible. Anyway, number five. Fuck it. Let's go to the real G. Talking about stories is Slick Rick. Slick Rick, man. The Great Adventures of Slick Rick. Ah oh, man, that album, that's another record that I think when it came out in 88 or 89 changed my life. 
the dynamic, you know, not in, in the hood, of course, on K Day and, and on the radio, children's stories was, was the song, obviously, you know, such a dope song. I mean, just a classic, but then he had songs like teenage love, which was like this slow, slow grinding, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Precious times, hoping they won't end. Tell your mother about your lover or so your best friend. You're mighty proud while you're holding your hands, girl. Yeah, that's my woman and girl. Yeah, that's my man. You know, listen, that. it's like, and he starts talking about a relationship and he, and he starts talking about how, you know, then the relationship goes bad. You know, it's like, you know, you know, you finally signed in and you both let it. And if you ever let a make love to you, girl, you can't forget it. Sweetheart, you've been caught because it'll spread around town faster than you thought. Then break up time and you receive the word. Yo, this is from the heart. So I know in my heart, it's kind of dope. He's like, he's like a modern day Oprah. He was like Oprah before Oprah came out. And he was like telling you about, you know, teenage love. It was dope. He had Hey Young World, which was a, the, a really dope song. The thing with Slick Rick is that he could be two people. You know, you you guys know this from Mona Lisa and, and Hey Young World. He would he would be two different people on the same song. So he would be he'd be himself, but he'd be two different people. You know, so he, he would the way he recorded his vocals is he would record them like the way a rapper like me. I'm a the type of rapper that I spit my verses in one whole take. Slick Rick is a, a kind of person that had to do his stuff. Like, well, it was one of those days, not much to do. I was swinging around town with my old school crew. I went a lot of time to buy a slice of pizza. You know, he would be like, he'd have to like punch it in constantly because he was, he would do like the girls' voices. You know what I mean? He'd be like, you know, he, you know, he, 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 he would, he literally, his flow was so tight that he had to almost record it in like a two, two part verse because his rhymes are so intricate. You know, when he did, um, the moment I feared, which was this incredible story about him meeting a girl and, and, and hooking up with her. And then her boyfriend's a drug dealer and he comes up and he shoots him. And then he, him and the girl do all this coke. And then he gets arrested and goes to jail and gets butt fucked. The end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that was him in 88. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it was really, it was crazy. You know what I mean? Like it, children's story. Hey, Young World, which is like a really dope, positive song. It was just, dude, the, the fucking, the ruler's back, which was this total, like, the real essence of the, of a pimp, like, the ruler's back, you know, with his gold chains and all this shit. I remember him on MTV. I would watch these MTV, Yo MTV raps. That's how old I am. I'll watch these Yo MTV rap commercials and they would have some with Slick Rick and almost on some WWF shit, like on some wrestling shit. He'd be, it'd be like Slick Rick and he'd have all these gold chains, right? And all, all his jewels. He had like a gold eye patch and shit. And he'd be like, this is Slick Rick, the ruler, you peasants. You know, he'd be like talking to them all like on some like WWF shit. And I, I just used to think that was like super, super dope. But, but his rhyming and his, I mean, he, he was a, I guess he's like a British citizen. He's like, you know, he's, he's a, a He's a black cat from New York, but he was also like a British citizen. So he had this kind of British swagger, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, au revoir, back to dating sluts and stars. No more sitting here accumulating cuts and scars. Like he was just, you know, <laughs> well, you know, no, there's no fucking 18 year old black kid in New York being like au revoir, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it's just people are, you know, the, their contributions to hip hop were just coming from different angles than, than, than the usual, than the Bronx rapper or the LA, you know, the, 
Compton rapper. You know, the, so it was like Slick Rick was really, really like, you know, those, 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 that first album was just, I mean, it was a masterpiece. Dude, treat him like a prostitute. Don't treat no girly well until you're sure of the scoop. Cause all they do is just hurt and trample. Listen up. Here's my first example. And he, and he gives three examples of a girl cheating. Oh man. Uh, so how's it go? Oh man. So he, he had this one song where he's like talking about he gets home from work and, and he sees some pants on the, you know, you know, he sees some pants on the floor and he sees some pants on the stairs or whatever. And, and you know, it's just like the funniest shit, dude. You know, he'd be like, you know, he just, he just, oh, how does it go? Let me see. Let me see. Your wife, you buy the tramp jewels and clothes, something, 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 and turn up or rose. Give her everything because she swears she's worth it. All your homies are like, the bitch don't deserve it. Love is blind, so there goes your wealth. Until one day you see things for yourself. Get home from work early, Mr. Lover, man. You had some cards and some candy in your right hand. Here's the mailman. He was short but stout. He went inside your house and didn't come back out. Busted. Just a friendly thought, come on, is it the mailman comes and he pays your wife a visit? The thought alone makes your temperature boil. You think to yourself she might still be loyal. Something, 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 you know, you go in your house, you see the mailman's bag and the mailman's pants. Come work from a hard day, look around the house, you like, where the hell are they? Run upstairs up to your bedroom, you know, something, something, you know, you see nothing gloom. You know, cover your mouth because you almost choke. You see the mailman's dick way up your wife's throat. Treat him like a prostitute. Don't treat no girly well until you're sure of the scoop. Dude, that's wisdom right there. At 14 years old, I was like, thanks, Slick Rick. I'm going to treat him like a prostitute. You know, so, you know, stuff like that. Slick Rick, that's, that's why Slick Rick's on there, number six. Um, Let's see. Damn, now we're going to top five. So now it's like getting to dangerous territory where I got to make sure not to pass somebody up. Let's, let's just get the greatest of all time out of the way right now before I forget about him. Cares one. Um, incredible hard rhymer, just angry, dope. I mean, just fucking the gut from the gutter, 86, homeless, rapping, I'm better than you, dissing fools, having the balls to diss anybody that he thought was weak, throwing PM Dawn off stage, you know what I'm saying? Dissing fucking the biggest rap artist of the year. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's a well-known thing that Karis won every year makes a, he writes a verse for the, whoever the top 10 artists are in the industry, like right now, who, let's say Kendrick Lamar, Macklemore, all that, Karis One has the verse dissing you, ready to go, in case, just in case you say anything. That's how, that's how crazy he is about rapping, you know what I mean? He's just a blast master. Um, you know, his first album, Criminal Minded, it takes a nation a million. I mean, he's dropping political science, he's dropping black, Black Power, a la, you know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, you know, Black Empowerment. He's dropping science. He's, he was, he was the first person that I ever heard talk about being vegan. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He has, he has, he, I mean, he, he has a lot of veganism in his, you know, never eat pork or chicken in a battle, you know, this and that, you know, but, uh, he, he drops a lot of science, man. He was always trying to bring the hip hop community together. You know, he was, he was questioning religion. You know, he was this, you know, humanist. You know, he was, I mean, he went, he's gone through the wars. He's gone through battling, you know, society, the industry, the game, the big artist every year. You know, he, he, you know, there's times where he loses. He never lost a battle because he's, he's, he's one. Like he'll serve a fool, but you know, there's times where, 
he'll have a, a beef with somebody and because they were more popular, people thought that, you know, he, he got the best of. But, you know, Carol's one's just a true pioneer of lyricists. You're talking about a man that's written books on how to be a rapper. Like, I've read one of his books where he tells you, wear baggy clothes because it makes it look like you're moving, <laughs> like when you perform, because it makes it look like you're doing more. You know, like, he's like, pull on your pull on your shirt, pull on your shirt when you're rapping. Because I mean, he just techniques of how to hold the microphone to you. I mean, he breaks it down to a science. He has the temple of hip hop. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he's a purist. You know, he's, he's the kind of person that I strive to be in hip hop. Like me on a way, 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 way smaller level. Karis one is a, is a kind of person that I, I just always wanted to be like him. I just want to be dope. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not concerned with being rich or being popular, but I always want to be dope. And, and he's, you know, he's probably number one, but right now I'm number five just because I, I, I don't want to forget him. But Karis One, man, all, I mean, just Karis One's greatest hits alone is just like, you know, that's the shit right there. Uh, let's see, some other four. Other four, man. And th this is just for me. I mean, these are just who I, who I worship and as far as incredible rappers. Let's say Grand Pooba is the next person on my list. Grand Pooba from the Brand Nubians. Um, Probably next to next to like Karis One or something like that, or even like Freestyle Fellowship and stuff like that. For me as a rapper, Grand Pooba is probably the one of the most influential rapper that I grew up listening to. And it's not like I was a fan of everything he ever did. Um, he was part of Master of Ceremony, which is a group that he had before Brand Nubians. And then of course he had Brand Nubians, and then they broke up, and then he had some, his solo records that produced some hits. I mean, he was the first MC to make a song with Mary J. Balazs and put her on. I mean, he's, he's a G. But Grand Pooba was so dope because, uh, once again, kind of like Dress from Black Sheep, he could do it all. And, and I think that's what I always strived for as a rapper, as an MC. Grand Pooba on one song, he's dropping knowledge about 5%, the Muslim nation. And then the next song, he's talking about he's pulling a girl's panties off with his teeth. <laughs> and then the next song, he's talking about how he'll serve people. And then on the next song, he's talking about how, how to save the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he was just like the virtual, he could do anything. In one verse, he'll drop some science, drop some comedy, drop some hip hop, drop some lyricism, drop some braggadocio, drop some sex rhymes, all in like one verse. And I, I just, that was the kind of stuff that I always, I was always into that first Brand Nubians all for one album. And I was really, in, I was just really into style, man. He had this real slick, quick kind of almost like a slick rick delivery but he definitely had a style on his own and and uh he's an amazing mc man brand you know it's all you kids listening that that don't know what's up you know grand pooba brand nubians pick up all for one for brand nubians and uh maybe pick up uh the grand pooba first solo album on electro records i think it's called this is how we do i believe that's what it's called it's, man, it's a great record it's with great production by the sd50s who are, who are a great production team that in the 90s, man, SD50 stimulated dummies, they produced brand Nubians, they produced leaders of the new school, they produced third base, they produced the S, they produced Curious, the, the SD50s were like the Pharrell of their time, kind of, like they were one of those production teams that were just like really, 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 really dope, so you should check that out. So, Grand Poopo. Now, now we're getting to top three Damn, no, I'm, I'm really stressed now because I'm, I'm a true hip-hop head. I'm trying to think who, who really, 
who do I really have their albums and I just really no matter because I've already covered covered probably I probably went backwards on my top 10 because Karis won De La Soul Free Self Fellowship Grand Poobah those are definitely my top five Razzcast you know what I'm gonna say um Saphir the Saucy Nomad you, you know Saphir Saphir is an MC from Oakland California and he was a crew, from a crew called the Hobo Junction and he put out he put out I'd say he put about three or four records out I'm not, I'm not Sure, but his first album, Boxcar Sessions, is, is once again kind of like another like stepping stone in progressive hip hop. As um, it was produced, it was like this kind of weird mix of like it was like Bay Area because you know that Bay Area is gonna have that bump, so it's gonna have that bass in it. But it was like it was like a weird mixture of Bay Area rap mixed with jazz progression raps i mean i mean his single light sleeper wasn't even on beat like the song i mean he had the balls to put out a song that wasn't even on beat it wasn't even on a beat like the beat was not even like a like a four four it was like a oh man i think i think light sleeper was a beat that was a three eight like the beat was off and his rhymes were off you know and in fact um, can we, can we play that song too? We're gonna, we're gonna, after I talk about it, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into Saphir Light Sleeper. Saphir Lights. And there's a gang of songs that we can get into from Saphir. That album is just, I mean, I mean, dude, you know, I mean, he had songs, man, he had a song called Worship the Dick, which was the fucking craziest song ever about, just telling the chick, you know, like, you better worship the dick, you know, like, I mean, he's just like ridiculous. He had a song about cars, about, about, you know, on some fast and furious shit. If you're like a fast and furious kind of guy, he had a song about that. That was really, I mean, you know, I mean, he's ridiculous, dude. You know, start your engines, but you look exhausted like carbon monoxide. I'm slot like a fox eye. I'll jack you for your bondage. I mean, he, he, he was, his rhymes, man, light sleeper, like I said. It wasn't even on beat. And he just came at you with this weird jazz. He was like a East Oakland. He was almost like a, like, like just like a jazz soloist, but he wasn't soft like that. He was like a weird combination of being a jazz soloist slash gangster. Kind of E40-ish. You know what I mean? Kind of like E40 in the way E40 really like, he was definitely like even, he was like three shades to the left of E40, but on that level. And um, you guys should definitely check that out, man. Boxcar Sessions is one of the greatest progressive underground records ever. Um, besides uh, Light Sleeper, I'm trying to think what his other main song was. That I guess he had two videos, but he, him and his crew, Hobo Junction, dude, even his Rational and Big Nose, and he had all these kind of like obscure rap cats. His brother, King San, ended up having a group called the Who Riders. Remember the Who Riders? They were more commercial. They were like, fool, I'm talking about bank. You know what I mean? They were more like, they were more on some like, you know, shot calling and big balling, advance to the next level in the game, you know. So Fear was on that pimp, make money shit, bro. You know, so Fear's like, I'm, oh man, watch, I gotta pull Sophia rhyme out of my head. He's, there's this one where he's talking about a dude wanting change, um, you know, See, homie, catch me at the light. You know, you know, talking about like trying to wash his windows for some change. 
but I'll be seeing streaks and shit. Get the fuck out of my window. Get the fuck out of my face. Ain't got no money, but I'm lying. He fucking smiles at me and flashes his diamond. Something, 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 not the light. And he's talking about the dude that, that wants to wash his windows. He's like, nah, you know, he's like, fuck you, man. Get out, get away from my windows. But he said that the dude flashes, you know, like winks at him. And then he's like, basically saying like, I know you got money, homie, game recognized game. You know, he talks about, you know, like, like, you know, I know you just, you know, like you over here washing windows, but I know you're making a hundred dollars a day, like doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit is dope. You know what I mean? To me, it was like, you know, that kind of like more thoughtful. Once again, going back to progressive hip hop, I just really love that shit. But so fear was really dope, man. I mean, he just, I mean, he was on a, he was on a classic song with the Razzcaz and Ahmad. I went, right? He was on, you know, come with it. He went all around the planet. It was on the soundtrack of more, like, it might have been like Mortal Kombat, the movie or something. Like, it was a soundtrack of some movie. Cause I remember it was, we went all, it was called Come With It. And it was Ahmad and, uh, Raskas. And I think they were called Golden State Warriors. No, no, that, oh, was, no, that no. was that, was that the project? No, no, Golden out? State Warriors is Raskas, Saphir, and Exhibit. Ah, an Exhibit, that's Yeah, right. this one had, this song had a mod on it, but it was, it was on for the, a movie soundtrack. Yep, it was on the yeah. soundtrack of a, a, some kind of Mortal Kombat movie. Cause the only other song on there, the only other song on the soundtrack was an incredible ass song by The Far Side. Oh man, Pandemonium was the other song that was on the soundtrack. But uh, yeah, you can punch it up. Come with it. Maybe it's it was definitely on a it was definitely dope. But Saphir, the saucy nomad, you should listen to him. And then uh, let's see, that was already we're on three. You know what? This is gonna be the one that everybody's gonna hate me for because nobody knows who this dude is. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna put put out two dudes that nobody knows who they are, but I think are just great lyricists. One is um. And, and he's a hard artist that you guys don't know who he is, but his name is Justin Warfield. And um, he put out one record called My Field Trip to Planet Nine, also in 91. He was 18 years old. And um, he later on became the lead singer of a band called She Wants Revenge. Have you ever heard of that band? I don't know if you've ever heard of She Wants Revenge, but uh, they're they're like, they came out like three or four years ago. They're, they're big. They, they're, they're like on some blow up shit. But he turned, he went from a, he went from like this kind of like, Q-tip, Beastie Boys, psychedelic rapper to like Depeche Mode 20 years later. Yeah. But dude, his album, his album is amazing though. My Field Trip to Planet Nine. This album, let me tell you about this album. Half of it was produced by Quincy D3, which is Quincy Jones' son. And half of it was produced by Prince Paul from De La Soul. In, in like 90, 91. And this album, I'm, I'm telling you, man, this guy, he was only, I, I, I even read that he was only like 16 when he wrote this album. This song has, even when he was only 16, this song has titles like Live from the Opium Den, Teenage Caligula, B-Boys on Acid, which is where I got B-Boys in Occupy Mexico from, B-Boys on Acid, Drugstore Cowboy. I mean, this dude was like... You know, thoughts in the buttermilk. I mean, this dude was like 16 years old and he was like rapping like, just like, he just really deep. And it was like really like, you know, the, the thing with him when he, and this was on Warner Brothers too. The thing with him was that when he put out his record, unfortunately, his voice sounded like Q-tip, right? So unfortunately, like when he came, I mean, it's not even unfortunately about whether he sold or not. Cause you know what? Uh, honestly, really good shit 
doesn't even sell a lot, man. But his shit is dope. But because he sounded like Q-Tip, I remember in the magazines, they dissed him for sounding like Q-Tip. You know, he sounds like Q-Tip. Oh, he sounds like the Beastie Boys. Dude, in one song, he could sound like Q-Tip, the Beastie Boys, the far side, all in one song. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand his voice sounding like that. But if you guys really, really want to pick up a fucking incredible album, Justin Warfield's My Field Trip to Planet Nine, you can probably go to Amoebas right now and find, find copies of it for like a dollar. Or you could find it online somewhere. But that was an amazing, I mean, produced by Prince Paul and produced by QD3. I mean, dude, B-Boys on Acid, it was just like, I mean, he was just talking about being on acid and all the drugs and the pills. Drugstore Cowboy, just like the movie with Matt Dillon, he was talking about him and his girl breaking into pharmacies and, and stealing dope and shit, like, just dope shit. Like, he was talking about Illuminatiism and, and Masons and secret societies and all this kind of shit. It was like, it was really, to me as a kid, you know, I was just like, what, you know, I was like, what, what is, you know, what is this shit, you know? Like I said, Teenage Caligula, Thoughts in the Buttermilk, Live from the Opium Den. Anyway, after, after that record flopped or, or whatever, did whatever, I, I, I didn't see him for a while. Then I seen him later. He was, he had a band called the Justin Warfield Supernaut. Then I seen him. I know he was, I know he had something to do with the Mars Volta first album too. I mean, he, this dude's just been all over all kinds of shit. So not, and then he, and then he came out with She Wants Revenge, which actually came out and, and sold. I think they even went gold or something. So he turned, he went straight up from like psychedelic, uber intelligent, conspiracy theory rapper he went straight to uh depeche mode and that's where the money's at and so you gotta give him props for that anyway i think we're down to two um i'm trying to think let me see another let me think of like somebody i think just think is out of control let me see let me see let me think let me think just somebody man i want to go into favorites and just name a homie but i'm just trying to think of somebody that in my life, really, I mean, it's easy to say Chuck D, you know what I'm saying? As influential as Chuck D was from Public Enemy. I mean, those albums were just, I learned a lot from the, from that music, you know what I'm saying? It takes a nation of millions. I, I mean, that, I, those are the soundtracks. <clears throat> Damn, dude, I shouldn't have ate that cashew. Those are the soundtracks to, uh, to like, to, to years of my life, dude, the Beastie Boys. I mean, I think, you know, the cleverness, the sub, subversiveness and cleverness of the Beastie Boys. Hold on, let me get some water, man. I've, I've, uh, this is why people don't eat cashews and do radio shows. Hold on a second, let me drink some water. Hey, hey, uh, I think it was like one cash. I didn't want to say walnut because it sounds home, no homo. We're like, yo, I got that walnut in my mouth, no homo. But, um, <laughs> anyway, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's easy to say Chuck D and, and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm trying to think of one more. Let me just go one more and then we'll end this on the top 10 of rappers. That thing. Oh, you know what? I'm going to name another rapper that no one's ever heard of because I think he's dope. And this was a group also on Island Records around the time Freestyle Fellowship came out. They were called Funky Town Pearls. And, uh, they put out one album that was called, uh, God, even the album was, I couldn't understand why nobody bought it because who's going to, who's going to go to the store and be like, you have that album reaching uh, assassination level. Like it was like some weird ass title reaching a new level of assassination. Like, like some crazy shit, but, um, uh, <clears throat> funky town pearls boy wonder. He was really dope, man. He was a dope progressive rapper from LA. 
It was on, you know, you would say stupid shit like steady passing them as if their body was low on potassium. You know, he said, you know, he would just be like, he was just like a really dope. They had one song called White Green when I was talking about money. And he was like, gotta talk about getting paid or getting laid. If you don't, boy, wonder they'll think you got AIDS. That that just won't happen. Right now, I got a tip on my... Like, it was like really dope. You know, he was really talking like, man, you got to talk about getting paid or getting laid. Because if you're talking anything progressive, right? He was like, you just... I mean, that, that you know, these are... This is like 1989. People saying shit like that. It's like, it's crazy to me, you know, that the... I don't know. I, I, I guess I just, once again, I'm, I'm just really into critical thinking hip hop. So if you, if, if there's any critical thinking hip hop groups that, that you want to express, you know, you want to, you could write me on Instagram or, or you could hit us up here at Platform Collection and, you know, crappy awesome podcast. Wake the flock up. Pros take five. You know, can it be chocolate? Curtis King, all, all the, all the shows on our, on our network, they're all, they're all expressing, you know, different views of, of art. And, and we're all in our, in our kick. I'm just letting you know, me personally, this, you know, as we start delving into my podcast, and if you're going to follow me, you know, you got to understand that I'm about real dope art that's derived from pain. All, all, I think I really, I, I read somewhere that all, all art is derived from pain. And I kind of like, I think that all true art is definitely derived from pain. You know, I think that, uh, I, I think that suffering is, I think that suffering is, is goes hand in hand with, with art. You know, one of my favorite bands, the Eels, I remember uh, their first couple of albums were so amazing and they were all like about, him and his, his they're about his family dying and all this kind of crazy shit. And all the songs were like, you know, you know, welcome to the funeral, cancer for the cure, this and that, this and that. And then, and then maybe like three albums in, he, he found, he got rich, of course, and he got married. And then that shit just sounded all happy. And I just lost interest in it because he wasn't sad anymore. <laughs> you know, he wasn't trying to kill himself anymore. And I was like, what, what is this shit? What is this happy bullshit? But, uh, oh, another, you know what? Another dude in the top 10, let's not forget the homie idea from uh idea and abilities man was just kind of a pure lyricist pure pure freestyle monster i want to give idea a shout out you know he was just uh you know he was another dude that, that was oh yeah as 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 i get presented a picture of idea that i have here that his grandma that his grandma and his mom gave me and i have an idea tattoo so that fool's always that fool's always on my mind but that guy's a really dope i mean he was just a pure rapper for the art of it for for the pure art of it like he was like a riffer you know he's like micah nine you know like he was riffing like he was he just wanted to get on that mic and bust you know uh to tell you a story the last time i saw him um i was always telling uh i was always always telling you know i always told people that every time i went to minneapolis every time idea was always there for 10 years like i would go to Minneapolis and play these small shows. And every time idea and his mom would always be there idea, his mom and aunt from atmosphere Dude, every time I, I could be playing in the snow in a little, there's a little thing called dinky town right, right around there. I could be playing in the fucking, it could be snowing. I could be playing at some shitty little bar with 50 people there, 40 people there. And idea would be there with his mom to come see me play from the moment I met him in 2003 and I got to tour with him on a living legends, idea and abilities OMD tour. And I got to know him. 
every time I went to Minneapolis, he, he was there, man. Like, and it, it was just, it was crazy. And so the last time I seen him, I was dipping into Minneapolis again. And I was just telling that the guy I was touring with, my homie Satire, I was like, yeah, dude, watch. Idea and his mom and aunt's going to be here tonight. Watch. I swear. Watch. We roll into the city. We roll into the sound check about five o'clock. And as soon as I get there, the dude at the sound check's like, oh, yeah, Mikey was looking for you. He's already been here. <laughs> like, you know, he was already here. And I was like, what? See, I told you. And then I was like, they're like, oh, he's down the street playing a show too, like tonight. And so I went down the street to see him. And it was crazy, man. He was playing in a coffee shop, like this little coffee shop. And he had this impro Im improvisational band where everything is improvised, like everything, like from the moment they, they don't have anything planned, like the guy on drums, the guy on guitar, they don't have anything planned, not at all. They just start, they just start, bam, 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 you know, they just start. And then the, the, the guys start playing music and then they start rapping him and the homie Christoph Crane was a fucking monster too. Christoph Crane is a fucking rap monster too. But anyway, and, uh, so they were, you know, they were like, Oh, we got the show, you know, this and that, this and that. And I was like, Oh, cool. The guy that went on right before them, man, was this guy who, uh, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not joking. This is the funniest shit I've ever seen too. This guy goes, he goes, people love time. And they would be like, people love time. People love time. People love, he did that for 20 minutes. He said, people love time for 20 minutes. He, he's like, people love time. And it, I mean, you can imagine how annoying it is me saying it four times or uncomfortable you feel. People, let's see if I can do it for 60 seconds. Can you, can somebody break out a clock? Ready? All right, ready? Tell me when. Let's see how annoying it is. People love Time. 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 Is it, are we at 60 seconds? Ahead? People love time. We're at 60 seconds. See how annoying that was? That was one minute. This dude did this shit for 20 minutes at least. Like he, he was so committed to that shit. He did that shit for 20 minutes at least, dude. Like after 10 minutes, like we laughed. Everybody laughed for like the first three to five minutes people are laughing i mean this was like people love time dude after seven minutes you're like oh my god this is fucking uncomfortable he did that shit for 20 minutes anyway which I, which was once again art you know on some art shit and they and idea and his homie were just laughing their asses out they love that shit i was like oh my god this shit's funny long story short we so idea and the band play and, and i got to go up there and freestyle with them it was it was kind of crazy to you know i see slug from atmosphere while, while ideas playing at this cafe, you know, I see Slug walking by the cafe and he just waves, you know, like everybody, you know, Slug is so personable, you know, in Min in Minneapolis, like Slug's, you know, that's where he's from, dog. So like, you know, no one's tripping on Slug in Minneapolis. He's walking down the street, people are like, Slug, you know, like he's a G, you know what I mean? Everybody knows him. You would take a picture with him. He's cool. But in Minneapolis, that's his city. So he's not tripping. So Slug's walking by and he waves at Mike. And, and one thing I, and that was the last time I saw Mikey. 
And uh, later, like maybe like an hour later, I ran up. Slug was doing a radio show. I ran up there and talked to them and all this stuff like that. This boy just did Yo Gabba Gabba. I mean, Slug is doing, you know, Atmosphere is one of the biggest rap groups in the world doing big things. And, uh, you know, so he was like, oh, I just did Yo Gabba Gabba, you know, like crazy shit. But the crazy shit is to see Slug, you know, you know, walking by and see idea. And just it reminds me, once again, going back full circle to the whole concept of being platinum or, or being artistically recognized, you know, their slug kind of like, you know, being in his group that blew the fuck up, you know, and, and did his thing. And then there's idea wrapping his face off still in a cafe, 35 years old. You know what I mean? On a Tuesday night, it's raining and he's in his hometown artistically wrapping his fucking face off in front of fucking 19 people for the art of it, not for the money. Not for the fame, not trying to improve his career, not trying to be like, yo, he's just in a cafe with his band playing his fucking heart out. And, and that's, that, that's the stuff that I gravitate towards, you know? And that's the stuff that I, that I love. That's the stuff that I see. And that's the stuff that in, in these podcasts from now on, those are stuff, the, the weird shit I'm going to talk about. That, so if you're a lover of, of, you know, you know, if you love Dark Leaf, if you love Downtown Science, if you love Justin Warfield, if you love Top Quality, if you love all these, you know, all these underground groups, you know, hit me up, man. Talk to me. Show me. Put me up on Serengeti. Put me up on on rappers that I've never heard of that are dope. And, I, and if I and if I could listen to them and if they're dope, you know, enlighten me. You know, I'm this whole world is full of music th- that's so dope of cats that I don't know who they are, you know. I'm constantly getting, someone's constantly being like, dude, you don't know this? You didn't know this? You didn't know this? You didn't know that? And, and every now and then I find, you know, I'll listen to it and I'll just be the new fan of it. And it'll, and it'll improve my life. It'll improve me because it'll, it'll bring me joy. It'll bring me complexity. It'll bring me joy. It'll bring me worldliness. It'll bring me, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll bring me joy when I'm depressed. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, like I was just driving in my car out here, caught up in traffic, and I was just thinking to myself, God, I need some new CDs because like these five CDs that I have in my car, which each have like 20 songs, I'm just burnt on these hundred songs. So I've been listening to these hundred songs every day for like two years because I will, li- I will literally listen to a song every day for three years. You know, I, I listened, I must have listened to a Smith, this one Smith's album, Louder Than Bombs, every day for like six years. I don't know if you like the Smiths, but I like the Smiths, but you know what I'm saying? Like music really sticks to me and, and stuff like that. So yeah, man, that was, so that's the last time I seen an idea. Oh, just to finish up that story. I don't know how long we've gone on this, this podcast, but we're, we're good, right? So just to finish up on the story. So idea, you know, I get, I get to play with them and freestyle with them and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, and their show's still going on. And I'm basically have to go like peace, you know, I got to go to my show. So I go to my show. And then, you know, they're, they, they come join me later. So I go to my show and, and my show is like a, like a battle, like a rap battle. And when Idea and his mom and everybody come in to, to the show, they see that there's like rap battles going on, but they're like those, uh, they were like those grind time battles, you know what I mean? Those pre-written battles. And ideas like all faded, like, man, fuck all that pre-written shit, man. Y'all need to go off the top of the head. And everybody there is like all scared of him and shit. Like, cause they know he'll serve the shit out of you. Once going back to Karis one, he'll serve the shit out of you. Idea would serve the shit out of you if you fucking look at him wrong. And, and because he's a fucking monster, you know, and it was like, 
I remember him be just dissing the shit out of all that shit, all that grind time. Like, man, fuck that pre-written. And I was like, man, leave him alone. Like, you know, relax. And, uh, and it was just crazy because, yeah, that was the last time we kicked it. He was super faded. Um, luckily through this one girl, Taylor, we all got to take some pictures and, and I have a copy of that picture, but, you know, we took some pictures and then, you know, that was the last time I got to, I got to peep him out. But yeah, man, like he, he's, he's definitely a super, he was just a super, Super MC. I'll give you another idea story real quick. This was way back then too. This was like 2003 era too, where we were in the Bay. Me and my homie Riddler from CVE, we're in the Bay. And there was this one rapper. Oh man, he, he was, he was down with Hobo Junction too. He was from Cyto, a crew called Cytoplasm, Mike T. And he was a dope battle rap, rapper. And he was like, man, we were going to San Jose to go see Idea and Abilities play with the Living Legends. And he was like, man, I'm going to go battle that dude Idea. Like, Idea doesn't even know who this guy is, okay? So I have no idea who this guy is. Mike T already is like, I'm going to go battle this fool. I'm going to fucking serve the shit out of this fool. Fuck this fool. We're like, all right, want to see that? You know, we're like, yeah, we're taking this fool to the battle. We're like, yeah, you want to see that? Are you going to serve Idea? We're like, fuck it. Yo, he wrote, you know, we go out. You go out there, you know, he rolls up on idea like, what's up, man? Can we, can we battle, man? Can I, and ideas like, just smiles at him. He's like, ideas like 18 years old, 19 years, like just smiling, like, oh man, I'm just here to enjoy the show. Dude, the dude starts start battling him. And the, and Mike T was dope, man. And he was like, he had bars on him. And so he goes, I'm not, and I'm not joking, man. You know, he kicks like a whole long verse serving idea and ideas like, okay, dude. Within, I mean, I didn't ever even seen this guy. This guy already had idea on his mind. Idea within like four lines had already served him. Like he just was like something, 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 and then he just fucking. I mean, it was like oh, like I mean, within within like thirty seconds, it was like oh, it was like it was a rap. Like it was like that dude's whole night was like I'm gonna come and battle idea, and as soon as idea opened his mouth, it was over. You know what I mean? And it was you know that's how dope he was. You know when it came to the battling shit. Another time on on the tour. I remember another time on that one tour that I went on him, went with on him. Uh, he, uh, somebody wanted to battle him too. And, and OMD, my group, we were opening up. And so they were trying to battle us. We're over here trying to perform our set. And this, and there's like a heckler and shit. And that dude just wanted an idea. He's like, bring idea out here. I'm going to serve the shit out of him. Dude, idea just served the shit out of him, dude. It was, it was the most funny. He just didn't even, I mean, he's just ridiculous, man. Like, he was crazy, dude. I remember playing with Idea in Detroit, where Eminem's from, in 2003. And in his set, he would he would do that little, like, nowadays everybody want to... Like, he would do it like he was about to be Eminem. Um, but then he would back up off it. That shit was pretty funny and shit. Like an idea. But, um, yeah, dude, I've seen... I've just seen a lot of dudes want to serve Idea and then just get highly disappointed. So, that, that was pretty... That was pretty... But I, I have a lot of love for the brother, man, like... He's a really good dude. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, man. So, um, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm sitting here with a picture. You know, I, I got to, uh, well, let me, let me just say this. I want to give a big ass shout out to the Rhyme Sayers because, uh, these guys are really, really classy. I'm, I'm going to break it down. When I heard that idea had passed, obviously, you know, the, the, I remember driving, I was on tour with, with Free Moral Agents, my homie's band, and we were in New York. Or like in North Carolina, I think. We were in North Carolina playing some dead ass show on this tour. And um I got the text, you know, people were like, Idea died, you know, this and that MERS. Like all these people people were, we just got it, you know, gets into a frenzy where like somebody died and we get on the phone and 
you find out what happened and the people are just like, he died and, you know, I'm kind of sad, you know, kind of like crying and, you know, I'm just explaining to my friends, the free moral agents, how important this guy is to me. He's a good dude. And, and so I wanted to go, you know, there, I wanted to go to Minneapolis. I was like, man, his funeral was like the next week. And I was like, man, I want to go. But I was on this tour and I couldn't, I couldn't jump off of it. Like, you know, our, we were in a van, the van was having troubles we weren't making a lot of money on the tour and the band was like, don't leave. You know, I was going to be like, I was like on some, like, yo, I'm flying to Minneapolis. Let's, I'm going to just cancel a show or two and uh, I'll meet back up with you guys. But the band was like, don't leave, man. Like we're broke. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't leave the, my band, you know, it wasn't my band. It was another band I was playing with, but I couldn't leave my homies. You know, I couldn't afford to cancel. They couldn't afford for me to cancel a couple of shows in the middle of the country. You know, and, and so I didn't end up going to the funeral and I was super, super sad that I couldn't go. I mean, even bus, bus driver flew out there. A lot of people representing LA went out there and I heard it was all dramatic and crazy. And I felt really, man, it killed me that I couldn't go. But to their credit, the rhyme sayers, you know, that with that next year, they had that, they have their concert called Soundset, which is their version of Rock the Bells, but actually bigger and crazy. Um, they booked me without even me asking. They booked me for that. And I don't have a, re- I don't have no record coming out. Like they just booked me for that just so I can go out there and go see his mom and go, go see his grave. I mean, they, that's how caring those fucking dudes are. Like they were like, man, I actually didn't get to go to the funeral. Slug that day, slug. I remember four in the morning, five in the morning, the night of his, uh, funeral. I got a letter, I got a letter, I got an email from Slug. And, and he was like, man, I've been up all night, I'm fucking torn up, fucking... He, he was actually calling me because I had put out my, my fan base with Destroy Your Album with Sage Francis, and I guess Sage Francis had took a bunch of copies to the to the funeral and gave them to all the homies or whatever. And he was like, and he, and he was like I'm listening to your album again, and because I have a song where I say... Where he thought, I don't know if he thought I was dissing him, but I have a song called uh, Career Suicide for Dummies where I'm all, yeah, 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 girl, you love slug, you want to, you know, this and that. And, and he was, he thought I was talking, he's like, are you talking about me in a bad way? And I was like, no, I was trying to explain to him that, that girls that like me like slug. So I was like, because we make kind of like the same kind of music sometimes. So I was kind of like, no, I'm just trying to explain to you that every girl that's ever, I've ever talked to is like, oh, slug, I'm in love with you, you know? So I was like, yeah, 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 girl, you love slug, you want to do a little bit of dirt, stand under the rug? Anyway. But he was like, yo, man, I just listened to your record a couple of times. Me and my girl are here. It's four in the morning. We're drunk. And I just, you know, I'm sad about the shit. And, and I was just like, man, like I really wanted to go. And, and he was like, and it was just like, like I said, man, they, they flew me out there to play Soundset just because, just so I could see his mom. And, you know, I just, I think they're good guys for that, man. You know what I mean? Later on, his mom, when they had a memorial for him, they dedicated two park benches at a park that him and his mom would go to and on one side of the park there's a park bench with a plaque and on the plaque there's a rhyme like a quote from that says you know a quote from one of his songs and then it says idea and then on the other side of the park there's another bench with another plaque and it's another one of his rhymes but that one says michael larson so it's kind of like two different plaques and do the mayor came out mayor of the city came out and spoke I mean, that's how important he was. You know what I mean? It was really crazy. And uh, his mom flew flew me and my my friend out just to go play for 15 minutes like that. So just just really to see them, you know. So it was just kind of crazy, you know, to me, 
it's it's really crazy, you know. And and even this year, you know, I went out and played in Minneapolis, and I stayed at his mom's house for a couple of days. And 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 you know, he he's just a good dude, man. He's he's an incredible MC. And and I'm gonna be honest with you, it's not like I would talk to ID on the phone because I never spoke to him on the phone. It's not like I would. It's not like we made songs together. It's not like I even. Like, it's not like he listened to my records all the time. I listened to his records. It was not even the case. It was just a case of respect. When I seen him, I was like, that's one bad motherfucker on the mic. And I respect the shit out of him. And, and, you know, and he just had love for me like that and would come to the shows. And, and you know what? We would come to, we, every time Idea and Abilities would open up for Slug, uh, Atmosphere, we would go to the shows too. And we, and honestly, we would really just go to see Idea and Abilities rip it. Cause that would be the, the, the mic rip, you know, like the choppy chop freestyle fellowship project blow part of the evening. You know what I mean? Cause he was going to go hard. You know what I mean? I remember sometimes being like, we were, we would leave before the show was over. Cause we we're like, Oh, we already, you know, seen, seen the part we wanted to see. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of shit like that. I, I, I just, I like that. I like that competition. I remember one time we we're on tour with him. And, uh, we opened up, like I said, on this tour for, for them and the Living Legends. And Mr. Dibbs, who, who was originally a member from Atmosphere, after we performed, Mr. Dibbs was like all up in ideas ear, like, you gonna let these Mexicans rap better than you like that? You know, you're gonna like just talking shit. You know what I mean? Like, you gonna let them, you gonna let them kill you like that? Like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, those are the kind of memories I remember, like fun shit like that. Like always wanting to, whenever you play with your friends, always wanting to be the best rapper. That's like that's the kind of thing that idea was, and he was, man. He, 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 he honestly is one of the best MCs ever, man. So we're we're gonna end it on that note, and I uh, hope you enjoy, you know, this podcast. I'm I'm barely getting the hang of this. This is episode three. We're gonna kick some other episodes off, and I'm, I'm gonna get a little more comfortable. I'm gonna wanna really, really, you know, have some different topics, and I'm gonna have some some interesting guests. We're gonna have my boy Diski, who not only is my roommate. But, uh, one of the secret great producers in the city, like one of the secret gems of, of not only producing some underground raps, but the, the selling of underground music and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to get into that. So I hope you enjoy the show. And once again, you know, enjoy all the shows that are on platformcollection.com. Cause, uh, we got a lot of really dope stuff. We have the crappy awesome podcast. We have the wake the flock up podcast. We have the pros. Take five and can it be chopped with Curtis King? Dude, his flat top alone is enough to make me want to tune into his shows. So that's www.platformcollection.com. And uh, we thank you for listening to the Tumex hologram show. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be back with some more shit to talk about. All right, peace.